You're listening to Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that are... Well, it just came out, except, like, I guess this one is currently in theaters as of the time of this recording, but it kind of came out a year ago. I'm not 100%. It won awards a year ago, so I think it is ineligible for Oscars this year, except maybe not because the Oscars have strange have strange requirements and they kind of have strange requirements every year. So I guess we will see without further ado. uh, The movie we're talking about today is David Copperfield, the personal history of David Copperfield. This is a adaptation of the Charles Dickens novel starring Dev Patel, Benedict Wong, Hugh Laurie, Tilda Swinton, um, and several other people who I definitely recognized, but, do not know the names of offhand. Uh, it's kind of a spoiler-filled review. Um, we don't have a spoiler warning, really. There's not, honestly, there's not that much to spoil in this movie, and all the plot points are over a hundred years old. However, uh, if you don't want spoilers, you might just want to watch the movie and then come back, and then you can listen to our wonderful voices as we talk about the personal history of David Copperfield. So here is a song from the personal history of David Copperfield. listening to Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that are in theaters. Uh, there aren't that many of those, but we did get one today. We got a, we got a movie that's in theaters. It's the personal history of David Copperfield today. Uh, I gotta say, this is probably not a movie I would have normally watched, um, but there are not many options. And like... I I don't want to be throwing needless shade at this movie. It wasn't bad. Like I'm not I'm not saying this movie was trash and I only watched it because it's in theaters. But I will say that I went out of my like this is not a type of movie that I would normally watch and I went out of my comfort zone because it is around right now and there's just not that many options. I feel like I'm digging my hole like <laughs> the whole time here. What what do you think, Pierre? What what do you what are your thoughts on the personal history of David Copperfield? Uh it was a solid movie. Um my initial reaction, well, my initial reaction was I thought it was gonna be about the the magician. So that was a <laughs> uh, little jarring at first. And he also David Copperfield? I'm pretty sure, yeah. <clears throat> that's yeah, that's for my so I was kind of surprised to see a period piece before me. Um and also Dave Patel was in it and not David Copperfield. For oh, yeah. Reasons. American Magician. Okay. It is, in fact, that's, I mean, I knew this. I don't know why I, why did he pick the name David Copperfield? 
Why did he change the name? No, why did why did he have the why why did the American magician David Copperfield pick the name David Copperfield? Maybe he's a really big fan of the book. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that could be. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Anyways, yeah, it was just uh, yeah. So that was my first impression. It was a little jarring. I definitely got some very big Oscar bait vibes from this. Uh, at least at first, as the story went on, it became more and more. Uh, because I did also didn't know it was based on a Charles Dickens novel until I looked it up later in the movie. Mm-hmm. So, and then I started to realize, okay, because first, my first thought was this was a real guy. Uh, well, I, was, I thought it was a magician. And then I thought it was just a, an autobiography uh, auto, uh, on a on a real guy from the past. And that wasn't true right. either. It turns out to be a fictional novel. So that made a lot of sense in terms of the, the diverse race of characters, which was like, I liked being... Uh, once I found out it was fictional, um, it was like a nice touch. And mm-hmm. I liked the, I, I like, or I guess it made sense how cartoonish it was. Like a lot of these things felt very silly, I guess. And a lot of the characters felt very cartoonish and um, that, that added up in the end. So I was like, yeah, it was a little weird at first, but I started to get into it more once I found out what I was actually watching, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I liked the I liked the presentation a lot on this because, like, like you said, it's very cartoonish. Um, a lot of it was like almost every situation was like ludicrous. It was uh, ludicrously exaggerated to the point of like, sure, th- there's no reason this couldn't be a realistic. Th- this couldn't be something that really happened, or that like is was realistic for a, for the time or something, but. You know, his uh, early on, he's in he's he's employed in a child in a factory as a child because that's what you did as a child in the 1800s in England. Um, and like the whole scene feels very much like Oliver Twist, as we were talking about earlier. Which there's obviously a reason for that. It's the same author, and potentially this is a more close to the actual events version of that story. Um, to some degree, but like it felt very Oliver Twist when you hear it or like when you see scenes from it nowadays feels very over the top. And this felt very over the top in the same way. And like that's um, yeah, that's that's what I was going to say. It's just the it was, it was very it was very cartoonish, just I guess to add on to your point. Yeah. Uh, so, well, yeah. And- being it, it being fictional like it makes sense uh do, like do you want to tell us more about the plot um oh gosh yes i do but actually i just remembered uh what i had been talking about was the presentation and so i'll just say very briefly on the presentation i really like the presentation of this um like we established it was very cartoonish uh but the way that this movie opens and i think closes at least to some degree is like as the character of David Copperfield is sort of presenting his life as a play. Um, he doesn't exactly state as much, but he's on a he's on a stage at a podium speaking to an audience about his life, and then he runs off into the set, which so he's he's doing a play. And because mm-hmm. there's this framing device of a play, there are lots of cool scenes that I'll probably describe in more detail later that sort of only makes sense that, that aren't portrayed as real things that happen, but more only makes sense as 
a play or a movie or something like um, scene transitions that are technically impossible. A couple of like, there's a couple of things where there's a couple of scenes where memories are projected onto the background. Like the background was being used as a screen. Um, There's stuff like that. And so I thought that a lot of the presentation touches on this were really cool. Uh, I have specific thoughts on specific ones of them that we'll get to later because I think that the first thing, as you said, probably important to say kind of what this movie's about. Um, So this movie's about David Copperfield, played by Dev Patel, who does an admirable job as David Copperfield. I have nothing bad to say about him, except that, like, David Copperfield is not really who this story is about. Um, So this is... Like I said, this is David Copperfield. We follow him through his life. It starts at his birth, goes until not his death, but like basically when he's established as a person. Uh, He is a kid that meets a lot of eccentric characters. And they're not eccentric. Like the characters seem realistic. They're just sort of quirky. They're very memorable people. Like he meets one guy who... uh, is obsessed with King Charles I, for example. Uh, he meets a guy later who's a banker, but his lead, his defining character trait is that he's an alcoholic. Uh, so, you know, that's quirky. Um, he meets a guy who, uh, who's, who's, who's some of the other people he meets? Um, there's a guy, there's, there's uh, his, his maid, when he's a kid, work, lives in a boat. So, like, there's there's a bunch of car- people with like very non not non traditional sort of sort of unusual character traits and he remembers them and like basically the story is about all of these different characters that he meets along his way um, as he goes from a kid in a nice house to a kid in a very not so nice house to. Uh, working in a factory in London to going to prep school and eventually becoming a an established author. That's that's basically his life. And that's basically this movie. Yeah, it's uh it's like follows the up and downs of which there are many and the movie mm-hmm. goes through that at at length, which is fair, I guess it's uh it's based on the book. I don't know if there's much they could have cut but it felt like it was a little long. Um, Yeah. I think that might just be a, that honestly, I've been watching more period pieces this year than I normally would. And I think that like, that's just something that's, that happens with a lot of period pieces. I don't know why exactly, but like I watched Emma earlier this year that felt a little long. Uh, I've, seen other period pieces in the past. I guess even Little Women felt kind of long. Uh, Little Women had a lot going for it. I, I've i enjoyed all the movies I'm talking about, but like the only movie, the only movie I can think of in recent memory that was a period piece and also did not feel long at all is The Favorite, because I thought that was so brilliantly paced. Like I've never seen a period piece that good, personally. Yeah. But, um, it, it might have been. It might be because it's like a life story thing. I find those. Yeah, they, they might. Too. They might drag on purpose just because I think they want you to feel like the length 
they want you to feel the length of the movie because then it really makes you kind of relate to the the life the life struggle if that makes sense like it feels a little long it's kind of like how the the character feels in the movie you know yeah uh, i'm actually just thinking like and that's the thing with life stories too like i i remember watching this is a horrible example uh, i watched the house that jack built last year and the house that jack built is the story of uh, a serial killer named jack and it's three and a half hours long so it legitimately is long but you feel that length because it's his entire life and it wants you to feel his entire life. And it's kind of like what you're saying with this movie too. Yeah, which is like, I guess not a bad thing. It's just like a little something these movies do have to do a little differently. But then this is also a fictional story. So it gets kind of confusing in that aspect. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, like, and like, I uh, not always like the the plot didn't feel, as a result, the plot doesn't feel as cohesive if there even really is a plot i don't know how if you could say there's a plot in this i it mean it feels I like think, stuff kind of happens yeah i opinion. think there is a plot but it doesn't feel like it you're right yeah because there's not much uh setup and payoff throughout the movie in my opinion like there sort of is for like very small individual events but nothing that's like overarching yeah, because uh, it's the movie's like divided into chapters, right? Sort of. Yes. Yeah. So, like, each section of the movie feels like its own thing, and kind of disconnected from the rest of the movie, despite them technically being connected. But yeah, so that, like, again, that's not like my type of movie, I guess. And I, I feel like due to like the cartoonish nature of the movie it didn't really have to be that long either um like uh, we you said you we uh, we both we, we both saw pretty as little women little women earlier right yeah a pretty woman <laughs> um and uh i really liked that one because it felt like a very there's a lot going for it and that it, it was a period piece but it was like a very mature look at um like social norms that are that are set now in terms of like uh gender equality and mm -hmm. there's like lots of like some deep thoughts about like love and ambition and uh and it's also like a coming of age story at the same time it's really cool whereas this doesn't it's what you get is kind of what you get in this movie there's not really many deeper meanings to it and like it's kind of like like the good person will eventually win in the end i guess is like the main theme or maybe there's like a little bit of take care of those who took care of you, like uh, a payback. That actually, that was a pretty big theme. But... I guess I kind of have two thoughts comparing this to Little Women, and one is like Little Women felt like it was the right, like it was. It felt long, but it felt like it needed to be that long because there were two, there were two or three like main plot threads we were following in that movie, and they all set up and paid off properly. So like. By the end of the movie, you had seen a full story or two or three, like, pay off. In this one, yeah. now this movie also felt like it had to be this long, in my opinion, but only because I kind of felt like whoever was telling the story felt like they needed to tell all of these little stories, and it was about the shortest they could make it. Like, it didn't feel like 
it needed to be this long because the story was this long. It felt like it needed to be this long because it had to show us all the episode. If, yeah, like it was like trying to do justice to the book rather than... Uh, and that's my other... Yeah, and actually, that's exactly my other thought comparing these two. With Little Women, um, it felt more relevant to to us because uh, the movie felt like something... It felt like Greta Gerwig. That's her name, right? Greta Gerwig, the director? Yeah. It felt like the story she was... So the story she was trying to tell was Little Women, but the reason she was telling that story is because she saw something in Little Women that was relevant and she was trying to communicate like what connected with her, what she connected with in little women mm -hmm. to the audience. Mm -hmm. This story, um, it was directed by, so it was directed by Amando Iannucci who also helped write the screenplay. And it felt to me like he really liked this book and wanted to tell this story. It didn't feel like this story was personal to him in any way. Just like he really liked it. And there's a lot to be said about that. Like, that's a good thing. But it doesn't... It felt like this story didn't mean as much to him as Little Women did to Greta Gerwig. Yeah, well, because it's just not... Like, it's it It sounds like... I, I hate giving a movie the classification of being a kid's movie, but this very much feels like a kid's movie. Like, very, very simple themes. Uh, simple characters. And, like, okay, that... I don't think it's fair because there's many movies advertised to kids that are much more mature than this as well. Mm -hmm. And I guess it, it just, it feels kind of dated while I'm watching it. Like, uh, cause obviously it's a period piece, right? But you can just feel the writing that the writing is not made for modern times. And they didn't really seem to edit it in a way that could make it more interesting for us. It was just much more of a, a heartfelt accurate rendition of the original novel mm -hmm. which i don't feel is a very it just doesn't feel necessary if that makes sense like yeah, i don't I, I, I don't feel like like for example oliver twist is a is a as a book that uh, i mean there's obviously been films about it right but i don't when i think about it at least now i don't think it's a movie that i need to see on the screen you know that i'm itching to watch because it's not yeah it's it's been done and it all and like it's I think it's as relevant as a book as it will ever be as a movie. Like a movie will do nothing for it so, unless like yeah. someone convinces me otherwise. Yeah, exactly. And like this, that's the thing. Like with Pretty Women, I like that little because or Little Women is that I probably would never have read that book, but then they took that movie and then or they took the book and I don't know how much they changed from the script but they made it very concise. Like the characters were all really, really interesting and like very modern themes were, were like if they weren't reflected on in the book or maybe they were reflected in the book, I feel like there's a big possibility that they were really brought up in the movie as well more mm -hmm. if they focus, cause they had to focus on something. Uh, yeah. Which is like, which is very nice. But yeah, this, it's just like, I don't know. All the, like, there's lots of humor in here that feels like, like, like my grandma might enjoy it. You know, it's like very, very censored. I'm sorry. I, okay, that's that's not nice to my grandma. My grandma has a good sense of humor, but like someone's grandma, you know, it's just very, yeah, very censored. Very, uh, I don't know, not non, um, 
non-offensive and it's just kind of cute humor mm-hmm. that and a lot of it because i believe was the original a comedy technically i, I mean there is a, i guess charles dickens so i'm sure that it had i'm sure it was witty in plenty of parts but it probably was not a comedy yeah because they were they tried to play with some comedic stuff with like uh when when david meets the what's the girl's name the rich girl's name uh doris spenlow doris yeah he meets doris and it's dora the movie dora dora uh is played as a dumb i think she was blonde it was kind of a stereotypical dumb blonde Mm -hmm. uh role which i think is kind of unbecoming of the movie in that like it's just it's just a bad humor like it's not really funny it's been done so many times before i mean it was kind of cute and i found that the actress who was playing dora pulled it off well enough that i never minded it but like yeah it was it was pretty dumb yeah so like i didn't love that stuff um and there were other like the alcoholism jokes were a little weird I, it, it felt more dark, if anything. Like it was kind of yeah. an odd subject matter to tackle in Which, a kids' movie, but then play it off as a joke. Well, I was so. gonna say, in fairness to that, um, the so the character that's an alcoholic is uh, I'm just looking through here. What's his name? Mr. Wickfield, uh, played by Benedict Wong, who does pretty good. He doesn't have much to do, is the problem, but he he plays it well enough. He's He's kind oh, yeah, of funny, I, I love him. Which, yeah. I love him as um, an actor. Yeah, yeah. And I thought in this he was kind of funny, which, as you said, is weird to like, it's weird that the guy who's an alcoholic is played off as a joke. But anyway, his whole point is that he's actually, he's actually a very accomplished banker. And the character of Uriah Heep, uh, played by Ben Wishaw, is uh, exploiting him all the time to get ahead because Uriah Heep is this character who is uh, from, he's very poor and him and his mother are like servants to, I guess, Mr. Wickfield. But Uriah Heep uh, uses his in with Mr. Wickfield and Mr. Wickfield's daughter, I believe, to uh, just sort of push his way up until he eventually become like just takes over Mr. Wickfield's company, which is so it's like that part is really dark. And I think that's the part of the movie that's supposed to be dark because Uriah Heep is supposed to be a very dark character. Although he doesn't fit really well with the tone of this movie, which I thought was weird. It felt a little bit, phony i don't know i it, it was such a a silly villain and like he the the, the way he ended up manipulating this supposed like this guy this this guy who has a problem with alcohol he's gotten this far and then somehow this like kind of stupid kid like manipulates him through alcohol into becoming partners yeah and was taking money it was like like it, it kind of came out of nowhere and like about I want to say the end of the second act. About that, yeah. Yeah, and it just felt like kind of unnecessary. And then like the ending of that where they're all like, aha, like, and it was just very cheesy at the end, the way they they kind of gang up on him. Everyone realizes he was a bad guy the whole time. It was like, no fucking shit. Like (laughs) this guy, this guy has just been feeding this dude alcohol, and then he becomes partner out of nowhere. Like, 
and you really no one assumed that he was being manipulated like okay it's just like stuff like that is just kind of weird to me i feel like i want to see a version of this story that's more focused on that because i kind of felt like i mean i agree with everything you said about those two but i feel like played properly or like given the proper attention the story of this kid who's this conniving kid who comes from nothing and eventually like squeezes this actual banker for every last drop is a pretty cool story it's a, and it can be done really well and potentially the story that that is told in is david copperfield but that story that individual story right there does not mesh very well with the rest of this movie so it just feels really strange in this movie and like you said like i mean i don't remember exactly in which order you said those words but like it's super obvious that he's the evil guy manipulating the alcoholic so like it's sort of it's it's just sort of weird in this story or in yeah, this movie a, anyway it's a very dark story for something that's trying to be very lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of same thing with the whole the whole his best friend ends up like running away with that girl this poor this poor girl and he wants to they want to be together that was a very out of nowhere plot line that felt uh just unnecessary i didn't really care about either character yeah um, i gotta that might have been a like... personal thing i i thought that the dude just he looked like discount to Frodo Baggins. Everything about he was, him. You know who else looked like discount Frodo Baggins? Who? Uh, one of the main characters of 1917, who was also played by the same person. Oh, well, there you go. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I gotta say, like, to me, on paper, the Uriah Heap storyline and James Steerforth, who's his friend who ends up exploiting the well, like running away with this girl and then eventually getting tired of her and then running away in general. Uh, those are the more, those are the most interesting parts of this story for me on paper. And I actually liked them quite a bit in the movie, just that like they were so out of nowhere and they weren't funny where the rest of this movie is trying to be funny that like, it just felt weird. Yeah, I yeah, kind of, like, these are really dark. Those are pretty dark plot lines. It's like I kind of want to see the serious version of this movie. All but the thing is, the serious version. This movie, David Copperfield has been adapted several times, and I'm sure that most of those times are serious. And to be honest, I do not want to see them because I don't want to watch a very dated period piece where, like, this one already felt dated. I don't want to watch like a 1970s adaptation of david copperfield just to say that i've done it yeah that's like i just don't see much reason for this movie to exist and it's unfortunate um i i i I can only praise the only the only thing i i like that like really felt different to me was the the multiracial casting for a a a pick uh a period piece which Mm -hmm. is like i don't think i've ever seen that before which I I really like because I think it's just it's just refreshing and like it's nice it's kind of nice to see like uh a time where like it's like race doesn't matter you know and I I really yeah. like that and it feels even better in a period piece it feels very oddly wholesome for some reason mm-hmm. uh, just because like I 
again, I, I, I'm pretty sure in every period piece I've watched, I've only seen white people unless like there is unless need it's to a have period it. piece about China. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So like it was like it's awesome to be able to see like, like Benedict Wong in there, uh, and Dev like Patel. and Dev Patel. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't love Dev Patel in, in this role, unfortunately. Um, I do. I do kind of wonder if like the multiracial casting is part of the reason that they didn't jump more into that framing device of a play because I felt like. The framing device of a play for it, you could see if you if you really wanted to like bitch about the multiracial casting, which clearly neither of us do. But if you did yeah. want to do that, the excuse for that or an excuse for that is that, oh, this is a play. So they just cast whoever they wanted in the play. Right. And I wonder if like to not make it seem like too much of a cop out, that's why they didn't expand on the play more aspect more i don't know that's me theorizing about something that's probably not true but just Maybe, i really wish that they i just really wish that they had um gone more all in with the with the play, the play aspect, aspect of it play. that which, makes sense yeah um but yeah even though there's like lots of bad or not bad like i wouldn't say none of this is bad it's just mediocre and mm -hmm. decent um i'd say like there's there's definitely some good stuff like the score was pleasant uh i i like very classic 90s 2000s period piece stuff yeah. it wasn't yeah it was it it worked yeah it was, i don't remember any of it same i don't either uh and then i liked i did like a lot of the acting like tilda swinton was great in this i didn't was oh, it yeah. hugh lord was that hugh laurie or hugh Hugh Laurie, yeah. Yeah, Hugh Laurie I, he was all right. He was all right. Um, Benedict Wong, I, I, I really like him in every role he does. So like, I, I'm kind of biased. Um, I enjoyed Dev Patel's acting. I did not care that much about his character. I thought he did fine, but like, there was uh, nothing okay, cool. about David Copperfield, the character that stood out or made Dev Patel, the actor, stand out any more than he would anyway. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, also, like I, I thought, like the oh, who is that guy who uh, who played like the the first people that kind of adopted him? Peter the Capaldi. Peter, Peter Capaldi. Capaldi. I really liked him. Yeah, he was very good. He was good. And uh, oh, yeah. um, I just want to say about him. So like, he was he was really funny to me. I thought he was the I thought he was probably the funniest part of this movie. Um, he was like he was just playing this kind of grifter who keeps getting into into like he's it he hasn't lived a day being financially secure in his entire life and like every time you see him he's running from debtors and the thing that i thought was the the detail that i thought was the most hilarious about him and his wife is every time you see them they have uh two young children and a baby every single time those children never get older that you see and neither does that baby and this movie spans several years so like early on they take in david copperfield as a kid and then they still and when they take him in they have two young children and a baby uh before the end of that segment of the movie david copperfield has grown up and they have two young children and a baby yeah i i actually like that that was also kind of a dark tone, like dark plot for him. But I actually thought that was played pretty well. 
mm-hmm. and it was like I, I thought it meshed in with the whole it was just because I, I thought it played into the themes of you know he uh David Copperfield has has to he kind of has to decide to whether he wants to take care of this guy and and his family uh, mm-hmm. in return for how the nice they were to him in the, in their youth even though he doesn't really have much to offer at that point in his life and right. it's it's like that that was that was sweet because I think that kind of perfectly captured the tone that I would have liked set throughout the movie mm-hmm. where um you kind of you kind of do have this this it, it, like I wouldn't say it's a really dark it's you know it's like a, a family that's struggling right and well it's a family that's struggling and seems to be perpetually struggling like this is a family that if he stays with them realistically he will also always be struggling because that's what this family is yeah and i think that kind of you know it it reflects i guess david's own life in that he also can't seem to get a break Mm -hmm. and i guess i'm not really sure what separates that what what makes that much better than like the benedict wong subplot of him being a drunkard but I think I have an idea of what makes it better. Okay, go Um, ahead. So I think what makes it better, or at least what makes it feel like it fits within the movie more, is that the Benedict Benedict Wong uh, subplot, and this is the same kind of for the James Steerforth subplot, these are people that he knows, but he's never, but David Copperfield never seems to be directly involved in either of those stories. So these are like things he's picking up. Where with the Mr. Macabre subplot and um, the uh, who's the other guy and and the Mr. Dick subplot, these are these are people that he's like directly involved with. The subplot involves him as a major character. Like Mr. Macabre and his wife take him in, and then he's a part of their lives going forward, and they're a part of his life. And as soon as he like uh, moves in with his aunt Betsy Trotwood and Hugh Laurie's Mr. Dick, he, like, helps Mr. Dick get over his delusions. And so that's... And so, like, it feels more personal to him, and so if and so it feels like it all belongs in the movie, where with Uriah Heep and um, Mr. Wickfield, that is a plot that seems to be happening almost entirely without David Copperfield's involvement. He's technically there doing stuff, but he's not really involved in what Uriah Heep is doing to Mr. Wickfield. And similarly for James Steerforth, like he's friends with James Steerforth and he knows the girl, Emily, because she's involved with the Pegatis. But what happens between James and Emily happens off screen and like doesn't involve David Copperfield. So those stories feel like they're, they feel out of place by default. Mm. Yeah. It's like, because there's no relation to Dev or David Copperfield, not a, not enough, I guess. Doesn't yeah. weave into it as well as it could have. That makes sense. The like, I've been thinking about the. I I kind of see what the movie is going for now, and that like a big part of it was it's it, it looks like there's just he's surrounded by great great people that seem to succumb to dark desires, if that makes sense. And meanwhile, David Copperfield is uh, someone that's just trying to avoid. He, he's he's continually 
brought down by it if that makes sense but he tries to heal others despite that like you have the i guess it's mostly just with the men in the movie but yeah you do have like uh benedict wong's character who is who is an amazing financial man from what i can tell right i can't remember is uh, he an I accountant think, i think he's a banker he's a banker but yeah like he's a very successful banker from what i can tell but he's he struggles with alcoholism and then you have his best friend i can't remember his name either uh who is who is a, a, a very great gentleman and he's uh, very friendly and like, he's just a great person all around, but then he succumbs to the desire of running away with a girl that he really shouldn't be with. And, and then also the Mr. Mr. Dick, Mr. Dick yeah. is a great man who's brought down by his, I guess it's more his, his obsessions, I guess. And yeah. Then, he has, oh, he doesn't think he is Charles the first. But he thinks that he's got like he's he's constantly hears quotes or something from Charles the First, and he like it, it almost sounds like he has some sort of mental illness where he has Charles the First's voice in his head. Yeah. Like I don't I I don't know my mental illnesses well enough, but to me it sounds like he has a very mild form of schizophrenia, or at the very least like a non-dangerous form of schizophrenia. Mm. Yeah, I some kind of that. auditory hallucinations anyway yeah um and then lastly you have the peter capaldi character who who is a who is a great man but then he's he's kind of brought down by his his debts i guess and his his greed from his past i guess so something it's yeah. like yeah and then so then it's like he uh david copperfield is like he learns he 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 basically he he has to learn from them and learn from their mistakes mostly and he's because they're all role models to him at or not role but they, he looks up to them at, at certain points in his life and they support him as well yeah he's he's a man who's aspiring to be a writer and he's surrounded by cautionary tales which like in a way that's the luckiest he could possibly be <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i just i guess i wish they would have tackled that more with him uh david copperfield himself then uh, mm -hmm. i think that would have brought it a lot better into the modern era just having a character that you know like he's he sees these people around him struggling with these with these desires and he has to basically learn from that and fight them himself right but we don't uh -huh. really see him struggle at all with with dealing with um with dealing with his own demons i guess it's mostly just kind of people around him hurting him yeah um, and sometimes it's poor and it's usually not his fault and sometimes he's rich which is also never his fault yeah hey like sometimes it goes a little too easy too like when he runs away from the bottling factory after his mom dies like he just kind of he just walks <laughs> he walks to his aunt's house that like he hasn't talked to since he was born i want to say yeah i don't and... think he's ever actually talked to her yeah, and then he just kind of conveniently that they support him and everything, and it's like it. It just like I guess they were trying to keep the movie quick, more quick pace, but it there was sometimes where it just kind of felt like a slight cop out where he he just he solves his problems relatively easily every time mm -hmm. um, until the very end. But then even so, like how long was he living in that apartment for? Like um a week before before he catches Benedict or before he 
he writes the novel, I guess. Uh, it's probably longer. I don't know. But yeah, either way, it's uh, it's just not mature uh, enough. Mat- for an Oscar Beatty movie, it was very immature. And I guess if you're going to commit for that, I guess really go for it. So mm-hmm. that's all I really have to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I don't know that I would have much more to say. I thought that the editing was cool in parts. And once again, if that's what you're going for in a different way, you've got to commit more to it. Because I thought the, I thought the framing device of a play allowed them to do some very cool things. Like I already said, like they had some things, some scenes were just projected while other people were playing out a different scene. There was another, there's like memories happening in the background that were projected onto the wall. Uh, There's one scene where, uh, he's in he's in a house visiting the Peggotties. Uh, their their house is a boat, and then out of nowhere, his dad's hand or his stepdad's hand just like crashes through the ceiling, and like then yeah, you see are, the actual cool. theme that's happening. See, like those scenes are cool, and once again, I think that it didn't commit hard enough to like the aspect the aspect that this was all a story he was telling. Because, like, that's what I'm getting from those scenes. Like, not necessarily it's a play, because in a play, you don't have a giant hand crash through the ceiling and then (laughs) zoom out either. That's not possible. True. But it does sort of say, like, oh, this is is what he was thinking about when this was happening, and now we're getting this scene, which is is technically way in the future, but we've managed to skip all that because we had a really cool scene transition that, like, ties the two together thematically. Yeah. And there were a lot of cool things like that. Like there's one scene, uh, the scene where um, James Steerforth, his friend, runs away is like they get a letter from him and then uh, the wall blows, the wall that previously was like a solid wooden wall blows away like a curtain and you see the scene play out as they're reading the letter, which, you know, that's kind of cool. But once again, like, these scenes are so few and far, but those transitions and those like really weird transitions are so few and far between that. It seems like a really cool thing they're doing at the time. And then that's just like a weird thing in the movie. It never feels like it's, they don't do it enough that it's like an integral part of the movie. Um, So it leads to some very cool scenes. Like there's one where they're having a night of drinking and it's all sped up and there's like old tiny music in the background and it's pretty funny, but it has not, it's not anywhere close to any of the other scenes in the movie. And it's kind of unclear what it's doing at that part in the movie anyway. Cause like the payoff of that scene is not made very clear. So like you get all of these scenes that are cool individually, but don't make sense in the movie. And I think that's kind of what this movie's biggest problem is, is the best parts of it somehow don't feel at home in this movie uh yeah that makes sense i it it's like those those things are like something i would appreciate more if i felt the movie was more whole and complete um because then you're like okay like this movie is amazing and then you're like oh my god like this transition was like they didn't have to do this and it's such a cool touch it's like the cherry on top stuff right but when it the movie is like relatively underwhelming then it's like it feels weird yeah it's like okay that's kind of fancy but like maybe they should have spent more time on 
developing this plot line more instead. Yeah. And so it feels a little like it's nice to have, but it like maybe even a little pretentious to to add stuff like that when like again like yeah the movie's not that that good. So I don't know. It's it's it kind of depends. And then maybe they thought this movie was amazing when they made it. It's hard to say. So. Critics did like this movie, and Hugh Laurie won a British Independent Film Award for it. See, yeah, I was very surprised when I saw that. This felt like a non-critic movie. Like, because again, it just felt like it was trying to be Oscar material when it really wasn't. Um, yeah. But either way, like, I, I can see, like, I if I was on Rotten Tomatoes, I wouldn't say this is a bad movie. It's just, like, a solid five. You know, it's, like, average maybe a six like it's it's got some cute stuff in it yeah um, i would yeah. actually yeah i'd say it's it's closer to a six than a five for me but like i don't know if it's fully a six either it's just sort of this movie is better than average but not by much personally yeah wholly agreed so wow. yeah we completely agree for once that's not very <laughs> that's not very common uh, what's our next what's our next movie all right uh so remember how i opened this uh this episode by saying we talk about movies that are in theater in theaters yeah. that was a damn lie the next movie we're talking about has been on netflix for several months uh we're gonna watch color out of space which is a movie that i was so excited for i actually bought the blu-ray because uh back when we were actively running a movie club on at our university which we are still running it's just on hold uh i i wanted to show this movie as our last movie um of the year and we never got the chance to do that for 2020 kinds of reasons but um i'm very excited about it it's a it's an hp lovecraft uh, it's a movie based on an hp lovecraft book about aliens that bring a color that Nicolas Cage cannot understand. And he <laughs> loses his mind over this color. Whatever the color is, it's a color out of space. That'll be very interesting. I'm excited to see what flavor of Nicolas Cage we get, whether it be good or bad or confusing or oddly seductive. One of those. <laughs> and you know what's the other, what's going to be another interesting thing about this? So uh, anyone who's been listening to our show for a long, long time or who wants to go through all the, all the old episodes will also remember or notice that this will be the first time we've talked at length about a Nicolas Cage movie. True, yeah. We keep Wait, mentioning adaptation, we but we've about... never actually talked about it. Oh my god, that's I, I actually totally thought we talked about that movie. I'm kind of shocked no, uh, we've talked about it enough that eventually we will have to. But okay, cool, we, yeah. we have never actually done an episode on adaptation. Uh, well, I, I personally, I haven't seen many Nicolas Cage movies, but I've actually really liked him in every role I've seen, except for Ghost Rider, I guess. But that's so, like, you know. Nicolas Cage, and I'm sure I'm going to say this next time, uh, is my favorite actor. Oh, wow. I'm very excited. Because, like, the reason I say that is... Every role that I've seen Nicolas Cage in, no matter how good or bad the movie was, and I've seen him in a lot of bad movies, I have never once seen Nicolas Cage deliver a performance that I thought was in any way, shape, or form phoned in. Like, 
even the worst movies I've seen of his, he's incredible in them, at the very least by comparison. Interesting. I I haven't seen enough of his movies to say much about him. Uh, I've only seen <laughs> National... Okay, Ghost Rider, but that was like 10 years ago, I want to say. And then I saw National Treasures and uh, and an Adaptation. That's literally it. And I guess Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, if that counts. But those four, I, I love them I in all of them. Counts. I yeah. think Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse made me want a Spider-Man noir movie really badly. That's true. I would watch the hell out of that. Yeah, uh, it probably wouldn't be great, but well, I think I feel like if they were actually going to make a Spider-Man noir movie, they wouldn't make it unless they had a lot more to go on. Because basically, his character in that movie was just like making fun of tropes that already existed, and so you couldn't take the story that he told and turn it into a movie that would be any good. You would have to like find something to parody which you could do but like you would have to find a cool angle yeah that's fair anyway um that's about enough of that uh pierre what's your last word this time spaghetti